0: If I've not met you, my name is Scott. I am one of the pastors here at New Life Cool and Getter. So welcome to church today. Hey, those two people who are on that screen were part of our church in Brisbane, part of New Life Brisbane. And so we see the difference between a life transformed by actually coming and doing the Alpha Course. If you've not done it or you're thinking about it, I've done it like 25 times and every time I do it, I learn something new and I see a different aspect of the character and character and nature of God. So it's a great place to come. And just seek God, seek all these different questions about the meaning of life and invite family and friends to come along as well. So you can scan the QR code on the back of your seat, register there, or come and see one of us after the service. But I'd really encourage you to do that. Hey, we are in week six of a seven-week sermon series called Encountering Jesus. Who thinks this sermon series has gone really quick? It has for me. It feels like it's just started, but we're in week six. And one thing I love about this series is that all the encounters that we've looked at They show the character and nature of Jesus, which actually shows us the character and nature of God. If you want to know what God is like, just read through the Gospels and look at the the person and the work of Jesus and you'll get a good understanding of who God really is. And what we find is we find a God who is full of love and mercy for all people. And this is what we find in the text that we're actually going to be exploring today, this encounter a woman has in Luke chapter 7. So if you want to get your Bibles out, I'm going to be running through the text today. So Luke chapter 7, verse 36, we're going to start in all the way through to 50. Now it says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, saying, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender one owed him 500 denarii, and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so if he gave the debts of both, now which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards a woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her her many sins which have have been forgiven, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Would you join me before we get into the message in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you for this story. Lord, it reveals the character and the nature of your heart. Lord, I pray that you would help me preach this message with grace and truth, but also love, Lord, that in the end they wouldn't look to me, they'd only look to you, the one who brings life, and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, sometimes there are moments where when I'm alone at home, I like to worship. So I put some worship music on, and while I'm worshiping, I'll just sing, or I'll read the Bible, or I'll lift my hands in praise, and I do this because I'm by myself. So however I feel led, I can be led just to worship God without the worries of anyone seeing me or seeing what I'm doing. And I remember just after I got saved, I was at home by myself one day just worshiping Jesus. And I felt that this need to, to kneel, to kneel before God. And so as I kneeled, as my knees hit the ground, it was like the holiness of God entered the room. I can't explain it to you. It was like this weight just descended into the room. And his holiness was made real to me in that time. The understanding of how holy God was and how sinful I was and this huge gap in between his holiness and my sinfulness. And it broke me. I couldn't believe or, or even fathom how much of grace that God had poured out of me to forgive me for all that stuff when he is so holy and righteous. And I remember I actually started weeping. And I stayed on the ground laid out before the Lord for about half an hour just crying. And my life changed from that moment. The understanding of the holiness of God, but the grace that He poured out on me, just changed my whole life. But I often think to myself, would have I responded the way I did if there were other people around? Would have I stayed on the ground for half an hour weeping before the Lord? That would have been super awkward, right? It would have been really awkward. And let's call a spade a spade. This situation here in Luke 7, where this woman comes and falls at the feet of Jesus, is super awkward. It's really awkward for everyone involved. Did you know, I just want to show us a bit of context where we are in the story. Did you know that that kind of awkward situation actually happens three times to Jesus in the Gospels? Three times a woman comes and anoints him at his feet. So reading these different accounts in the different books of the Gospels could easily lead you to think that they refer to the same instance. But when we have a closer inspection, they are in fact three separate events. So all four Gospels actually present an account of Jesus being anointed by a woman with perfume. So we've got Matthew and Mark. They relate to the same event and don't give the woman's name. But then we have another event. Where the woman in the Gospel of John is actually identified. it's Mary, It's Mary of Bethany, which is the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus is the man that Jesus raised from the dead. <clears throat> and these two instances where Jesus is anointed, they take place in the few days prior, the last few days prior to him being crucified near Jerusalem. But see Luke, the Gospel of Luke tells a, of a different woman, also anonymous, but it's on much earlier occasion in Galilee. This encounter in Luke was in the first year, they believe, of Jesus' three-and-a-half-year ministry. and I won't go into the reason why there's differences and what the differences are between these two today, but what it tells us is there is in this Gospel of Luke, there is a different story that God wants us to understand. So what's the lesson that God wants us to see from this encounter that Jesus has? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to literally walk through the text today. So if you want to get your Bibles out, you can just follow along with me. But at this stage, Jesus is ministering around the area of Galilee. And he's performing all these amazing miracles and he's teaching about the kingdom of God. And at the beginning of chapter 7, he's just raised a kid from the dead. And his fame has just gone out through all of Judea. So Jesus is well known by everyone and even the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are challenged by this. But they're also curious of, who is this Jesus? What they wanted to do, they wanted to find out, was Jesus just a teacher? Was he a rabbi? Was he a prophet? Or was he more? Was he the Messiah? And so the Pharisee named Simon, he actually invites Jesus to dinner to find out a little bit more about this, this miracle man that, that everyone knows about. And so we pick that up in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to dinner, to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. This scene actually starts with a curious Pharisee who was willing to seek out Jesus and start a personal conversation with him, which is actually a great start. If you're here today seeking answers, seeking the truth, the best thing you can do is actually come to Jesus with a humble and open heart. And the fact that you're here today is a great start, a great start to that journey of discovering truth. And so this is what we see here. Jesus is invited to the Pharisee's house, and he's actually reclining at a table. Now, you'll see on the screen behind me this picture of Jesus reclining. It wasn't like what we have now where we sit at tables with chairs, they would recline, they would lean on their left side, and their feet would be out behind them. And we have this woman that learns that Jesus is there, and she comes in. But she's a sinner. She's lived a sinful life. Or something similar. Theologians would say she's either a prostitute or, or something great as grave as that. And either you could tell by the way she dressed, but you definitely knew by her reputation. It says that she was known to be a sinner. Her reputation preceded her. So everyone knew that this was a woman who lived a sinful life. And just imagine with me for a moment. They're reclined at the table. And this woman, she goes down to anoint Jesus' feet with perfume, and she's just overcome with emotion. And with tears flowing from her eyes, she washes her feet with her tears, wipes them clean with her hair, and she just kisses his feet repeatedly. This is just a beautiful scene of raw emotion and gratitude, but undoubtedly, super awkward. Like, could you imagine being there? This would be really awkward. Like, imagine if someone just walked into church right now, walked down the front, started undoing my shoelaces and washing my feet, and I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to let that happen. I'll just keep preaching. It'd be awkward, for starters, but then you wouldn't be listening to a word I'm saying, right? Because you'd be like, what is going on? Why is he not even acknowledging this person here? And Jesus just lets her do it. Jesus just lets her worship him this way. Why? Well, one, because Jesus is worthy of unbridled worship in all situations. But also, Jesus always has a plan to reveal the character and the nature of God through every circumstance. This is a good lesson for us as Christians, right? Because no matter what situation or how awkward things might be... We should be looking to reveal and share who God is in every circumstance, even if it might be super awkward. So that's the scene. And then it says, when the Pharisee who had bidden him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. He thinks to himself, If this man were a prophet, this actually means that Simon thought Jesus was possibly a prophet. You see, Simon was aware of all the miracles and the teachings of Jesus, and he was wrestling within himself, thinking, is Jesus from God or not? Was Jesus a prophet of God, or was he not? The Pharisee and Simon, all the Pharisees, they were scrutinizing Jesus, every move he was making to make that decision, because if Jesus was a prophet, or even the Messiah, this would make a huge difference in Simon's life. So this wrestling, Simon's not insignificant. And many of us today have the same wrestle, right? We wrestle with, who is this Jesus? Is Jesus the Son of God? Because if he is, that changes everything in our lives too. But Simon thinks, if Jesus was a prophet, then he would know not to let that woman touch him or come near him because a, she's a filthy sinner. Why does Simon think that? Well, because Pharisees would totally avoid sinners. They wouldn't talk to them or even respond to them in any way. And they thought if you engage with sinners like her and touch them, then you would be unclean, just like she was unclean. So Pharisees would treat people like this, like they don't exist. They would treat them like they were less than human, with no dignity or respect. And Simon thinks, Jesus, you have no idea who this woman is. He thinks to himself, if he knew who was touching him, interesting because Jesus did know who was touching him. But Jesus doesn't see like everyone else sees. Jesus doesn't judge on outward appearance because Jesus sees the heart of people. He sees what's going on inside. There's a similar story about God seeing the heart in one Samuel. Samuel is asked by God to go and anoint the next king and so he goes to Jesse and he goes, bring all your sons out. And all the sons come out and Samuel thinks to himself, I know which one it is. It's the biggest, it's the tallest, it's the the most buff, he's going to be the next king. And it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, Jesus sees through all that stuff, and he sees the heart of the woman, but he also sees the heart of the Pharisee. Not only does Jesus know the Pharisee is disgusted, probably just from the look on his face, but Jesus actually knows what Simon the Pharisee is thinking. It says here, he said to himself. Have you ever been in a situation or listening to someone and thought to yourself, said to yourself, wow, this person has no idea what they're talking about? Like you've probably thought that while I've been preaching at some stage, right? Well, no one nodded their head in the first service like five people did. <clears throat> it's quite embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> But we do, right? We're in situations, we're in conversations, and we're thinking in our mind. We're sometimes thinking judgmental thoughts. Like, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, Jesus actually knew what Simon was thinking. And this is not the first time in the Gospels that we see that Jesus actually knows what people are thinking without them saying anything. It happens multiple times. And this is called omniscience. It's one of the character traits of God. Omniscience means all-knowing, that God knows all things. So God, God knows our thoughts, church. We can't even hide our thoughts from God. And because Jesus is God, he knows exactly what Simon was thinking. And therefore, he responds directly to his judgmental thoughts. He says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One of them owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debt of both. Now, which one will love him more? <clears throat> this is Jesus' style of teaching. Jesus would use earthly truths or earthly scenarios to bring heavenly truths. You see, Jesus understood that, that we can't understand the things of the kingdom of God. So he would bring in what we call parables. he talked talk about earthly scenarios to give us a spiritual truth. And he actually finishes with a question. This is a really great way for us to learn how to share our faith is to bring true spiritual truths into the now and go, well, you know, when it's like this, this is what God actually brings, and then actually ask questions. best way is to be curious where other people are at. So Jesus tells Simon a parable and then asks a question to reveal the truth, a truth demonstrated here in this scenario with the woman. So he talks about a parable where he goes, there was a person who owed 500 nari, which is about $20,000 they estimate, And the other person owed 50, which is about $2,000. But he says neither of them could pay their debt. It's really important. But then they were forgiven of that debt. And he says to Simon, well, which one of them will love him more? Simon's like, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus says, you've judged correctly. It's kind of like a moment where Simon's like, dang, he's got me, right? (laughs) He's like, oh, I suppose. I suppose he knows who would love him more. It doesn't help his case against Jesus or the woman, right? But he's got to admit it. You know, I have this problem with my teenage kids, right? (laughs) They do something or they say something. I'm like, hey, that's not what we should be doing. Here are the reasons why. Do you agree? I suppose. It takes a lot of humility to say, yeah, I'm sorry. You're totally right. I'm wrong. But the Simon the Pharisee, he's just not there yet. He's still sus on Jesus. And we need to recognize what Jesus is pointing out here to the Pharisee. Jesus points out that they're both sinners. Jesus saying, Simon, you have a debt too. Yeah, she might be 500, but you're 50. You're in both need of forgiveness. Jesus actually saying, Simon, you and the woman are both in debt and unable to pay. Yes, one more than the other, but you're both sinners. This would have been so confronting to Simon to be regarded as a sinner like the woman. But Romans 3.23 is very clear. Says, says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of us here hasn't sinned. We all have this problem of sin in our heart. You see, Simon the Pharisee has just been corrected for the error in his heart. And Jesus wants to make sure that Simon puts the two together. So he turns his attention back to the woman. He turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Uh, yes. Yes. It's been super awkward. Everyone has seen her, right? This has been really weird the whole time she's been here. But this is not what Jesus is asking if we see her physically. He's asking Simon, do you really see her? Do you see her humanity, her value, her dignity? Jesus is asking, does he see her heart through her action? But Simon the Pharisee, he can't. He can't see through the outward appearance, he can't see through the sin that she's committed. The question is then for us, do we really see people? Or do we just see outward appearance too? Do we just see a situation and not the person? You know, we all love the saying, don't judge a book by its cover, right? But we all do. We all judge people by appearance. For some reason, we just can't help it. And I believe this is evidence that we all, we all have a problem with sin. We have a heart condition that no matter how hard we try, We have a heart with natural propensity to judge others and sometimes simply just by appearance. But God's asking us to see people for who they truly are. People are made in the image of God, which means human beings have dignity and worth and value as image bearers of God. So Jesus asked, do you really see the woman who you've written off in your heart? He continues, he says, I came into your house You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. There's something happening here that's more obvious to the Hebrew people than it is to us. In that time and culture, it was hospitable. If a guest came to your house to provide water and a bowl for them to wash their feet, because they would have been walking through the dusty byways of Israel. And to that water, they would actually add droplets of perfume to make the water pleasant, make it a pleasant aroma. And you did this this feet washing as an act of honour to the guests to show them the respect they deserved. Here's the point. The Pharisee did not extend to Jesus this due honour. They didn't think Jesus was worthy of respect to perform this act to. They were actually still trying to work out if Jesus was a sinner, undeserving of respect and honour, and therefore they didn't extend this normal custom to him. But the woman, the sinful woman, knew who Jesus was. She sees him for who he truly is, the Christ. And she comes, she comes out of what the Pharisees should have done. She comes and actually cleanses Jesus' feet in stark contrast to the Pharisees. You see, we have the respectful Pharisees not being respectful But then we have the disrespectful woman being respectful to Jesus in a way that's obvious to all that's present. And Jesus points out her action and their inaction. And Jesus says, your inaction proves your unbelief. And her action actually proved her belief in who Jesus was. And what he says next displays a a deep truth. What she has done displays a deep truth. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. You see, the outworking of both their hearts is in response to the person of Jesus. She's so focused on Jesus. She doesn't care about what people think or how awkward this may seem. She's so overcome by love, so overcome by gratitude, so overcome by thankfulness that she'll do what seems crazy and weird in front of everyone. What would you do if Jesus walked in the room right now? Would you fall at his feet? Or would that be too embarrassing? The Spirit of God is here with us every time we gather church. The Holy Spirit is present as we gather in worship. What should our worship look like if it's proper then? If we truly believe that. Charles Spurgeon says, When our love is in active exercise, our piety will be immediately towards Christ. We shall sing to him, pray to him, teach for him, preach for him. And live to Him. To be honest, we suffer the same issue as the Pharisees. We care too much about what people think of us. Sometimes we wouldn't even dare about praying in public or even telling people we're Christians in certain situations for fear of rejection. I mean, we don't even sing in church with a loud voice to honor and worship God because we're just too self conscious. If this woman joined us for the church service, do you think she'd be singing with all her lungs, with all her heart? Do you think she would care what we thought about her when she lifted her hands in praise? Do you think she would drop to her knees in humble submission and worship before her Lord and King? Not us though. Because we're too proper for that. And this is exactly what the Pharisees were like. The woman's love for Jesus was expressed through the giving of her time, her body, her goods, her emotions and her humility. That's actually a close definition of what love is. Love is the giving of your time, your presence, your goods, your emotions, your humility to another with no strings attached. And she does this because she responds with the most important response you can do, and that is worship. And because she does this, Jesus actually responds to her with one of the most important responses a human being could ever receive. And Jesus says to her, Your sins are forgiven. Jesus makes this declaration that she is forgiven. All her past is done. It's all been washed away. And when God says you are forgiven, you are totally washed clean from all your sins. And you actually have a new start. You have a new beginning. You have a new life. You have a new spirit. You have a new heart. The question is, have you had your sins forgiven? Because regardless of what you've done and how the world actually sees you, God sees you who you really are. And that is precious and valuable and loved. And if you believe in Jesus, God sees you as a son and daughter. Just think about that. God sees you as a son or a daughter with absolute love and affection. Do you want a new start? Do you want to know a love that can transform your life just like this woman's? Well, only Jesus can do that. He then goes on and says, The, the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Who is Jesus? It's a really good question. That's something each and every one of us must make the decision on. Who is this man? Is he the son of God or is he a nobody? Because I can tell you when we believe that he is the son of God, that answer leads to life and forgiveness of sins. But the Pharisees, they understood from the Old Testament, from the sacrificial system, that the only one that could forgive sins was God alone. No man could forgive sins. It was only God that could do that. And Jesus knew what they, that they believed this. So in this moment, what Jesus is doing, he's boldly declaring that he has the power and the authority to forgive sins. And therefore, he's actually claiming to God to be God. Church, this is not insignificant. Because not only was it true then, it's true now. Only Jesus has the power and authority to forgive sins. It's only through Jesus, the anointed one, God in the flesh, that we can receive forgiveness of our sins and be restored and given a new life. This is the gospel. This is why Jesus Christ came to earth in the flesh. Because we have this problem with sin. Some of us have a huge debt. Some of us have a smaller debt, but we all have a debt to pay. And God didn't want to leave us in that state. God wanted relationship with us for eternity. He goes, I'm going to actually come. And I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to take on the sin of the entire world, the debt of the entire world. I am the debtor. I'm the one who comes and says, you are forgiven. I'm the the only one that can actually absorb that sin. And so he takes our sin to the cross, buries it in the grave. And as he rose again, he rose again in victory over sin and death for all who believe. But how do we access this? How do we access this kind of love? Glenn, you can come whenever you feel like it, man. Well, it's by faith in Jesus. In verse 50, Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. It's by faith that we are saved from our sin. She had a life full of sin. She was notorious for whatever she had done. And people had totally written her off, but not God. Ephesians 2 says for it's by grace you have been saved through faith it's not from yourselves is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast you see the Pharisees thought that they could work for their salvation if they did all these good deeds then God had to let them into his kingdom whereas the gospel is that none of us can earn God's favor we already have it God already loves us God already desires to have relationship with us and the way we access that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in what he's done on the cross is enough. And the beautiful thing, what that brings is, is peace. It says your faith has saved you, go in peace. This is what salvation brings. It brings this peace in our heart that we know that we have been washed clean, we have been forgiven, not because what we've done, but because everything that Jesus Christ has done for us. It makes us humbly worship him. Church, the greatest miracle that Jesus performs on humanity, this is it. It's salvation. You see, physical healing, it's temporal. But healing of the heart, forgiveness of sins, it's eternal. And it will actually change the course of a person's life. You see, this woman has been restored to dignity and respect and has been lifted up by God as an example of true love and faith. Think about that. This woman's reputation was one of a filthy sinner. And now Jesus is lifting her up as a true example of faith and love. This is what God does. He takes us from sinners to saints, from despair to hope, from death into life. And this woman has been an example of true unbridled worship for the last 2000 years written in our scriptures. God can take a life that seems lost And make it the most beautiful masterpiece that inspires humanity forever. So what have we learned from this passage of scripture today? Well, we see the character and the nature of God that that he welcomes outcasts and sinners. But we also see the condition of the human heart that we can be judgmental. We can judge others. But what we see also is God wants to restore us and lift us up. And what that does is it produces in our heart a heart of worship. When someone truly knows the grace of God, the fruit of that is true worship. It's raw emotional worship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What can God do with your life if we would just understand the depths of His grace? What would it be like if we worship God like this woman? What would we be like if we worship God with all of our lives? Matt Chandler says the greater your knowledge of the goodness and grace of God on your life the more likely you are to praise him the more you understand the separation between his holiness and our sinfulness and that he's bridged that gap that's called grace When we understand the grace the depths of grace we are more likely to praise him would you join me in prayer Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just be present right now. Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes to, to your holiness, to how holy and righteous and just you are. Lord, would you open our eyes to how far we've fallen short. But then, Lord, help us see the grace, the depths, the width, of how much your grace has been poured out on us through our Lord Jesus Christ. That God, that you loved us so much that you were willing to bear the cross on our behalf. You were willing to suffer pain to draw us back into relationship. Oh God, may we worship you for you are worthy of worship, Lord. You are worthy of unbridled, emotional, raw worship. And as we're in this moment of prayer, you might be sitting there and you thought to yourself, God can't love me. I'm too much of a sinner. Well, this story would say something different. This story would say that God loves you, that he sees you for who you truly are, and he wants a deep, intimate relationship with you. So if you're here, I'm going to ask you to, to do something bold. If you've never received that love from Jesus, he's extending his hand today. I'm going to ask you, like the woman, to do a public declaration of of accepting Jesus just by putting your hand up. But God wants to have a relationship. He wants to restore you and lift you up. And so if you want to put up your hand, just put it up now. I'd love to pray for you. So Lord, I thank you for the hand that's been put up. Lord, I ask that you would just bless them, God. Lord, wash them clean from their sin. Lord, I thank you that they are willing to follow you, to put their faith and trust in you. And Lord, as you said to that woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So Lord, I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that they would sense and know your presence forevermore. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Would you like to stand with me?